Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. One of the things I want us to look at this evening um, that's very important to my heart uh, where women are concerned is if you read my little book on relevant for God's eternal purpose, you would understand uh, my heart where women are concerned. Now, some of you have heard my story about ministry and um, part of the story I don't share a lot of time was the effect that my mom had on me uh, in terms of answering the call. My mom is a praying woman and through that prayers uh, the Lord used that a lot to, to shape my call in the ministry. But I want to share a few thoughts this evening on the role that women played in the ministry of Jesus. The role that women played in the ministry of Jesus. I'd like you to pay very, very close attention to what I'm teaching tonight. I've not taught this anywhere before. And uh, as I was getting ready, I was telling myself, oh, I wish I did this on a Sunday morning so a lot of more people can, can, can hear this. First of all, when we look at the ministry of Jesus, okay, most of what we see is the twelve apostles. That's what stands out. You know, every time we talk about Jesus, what comes up, what people see is the twelve apostles. When we talk in fact when we talk about Jesus and his ministry on earth, I don't think anybody talks so much about women. Alright? The apostles, Peter. But you see, Jesus would not have had an effective ministry on the earth without women. And I want to say this to you. What I'm trying to teach here is having your heart geared towards something more than just what the average woman pursues. Most times, you realize that the average woman's life is caught up in the home. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Okay? Caught up with relationship, caught up with food, caught up with market, caught up with cooking, caught up with fashion. And most times they don't find a greater expression in the kingdom. God didn't just create you here just for that. There is a kingdom purpose for your life. There is something about your life that ought to affect the kingdom of God. First of all, let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 8. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, verse 18, Matthew 1, 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. 
When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be a child by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, she will bear a son and all of that, and his name will be called Jesus and all of that. The first thing we have to understand is that Jesus would not have been given birth to if there wasn't a woman. Of course, that's easy to understand. Alright? Now, it would, have been, it would have been okay to give birth to Jesus. It was okay to give birth to Jesus without a man. But it couldn't have happened without a woman. Now, first of all, let's look at some of the challenges Mary had to go through. Number one, Mary had to go through the pressure of keeping herself a virgin. The pressure of purity. The pressure of purity. Because that prophecy could only come through a virgin. And so there was that, that, that discipline on her part. That discipline on her part. To be able to give birth to Jesus physically. Number two, she also had to make a choice of a godly man. The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man. She didn't just appear, she didn't just marry any man. Because if she had married any man, probably would put pressure on her to have sex before marriage, what would have happened? She would not have been able to fulfill that prophecy. You know, sometimes as ladies, some, some, sometimes as ladies, the, the greatest challenges we have is the kind of men we got married to. We might have divine purpose, but we get married to people who don't have any relationship with God and they are not able to help us to bear that purpose. Because as a woman, listen to me, before you got married, before you were created, God created you for a purpose. And that purpose does not end in marriage. What marriage does is it helps you to do what? To amplify that purpose. And I teach men this all the time. You know, um, you know, we, we, we also, as men, we have this thing, you know, the woman is to give me support and all of that. And, and there's nothing wrong in giving your husband support. But the woman, the man, must not also forget that there is a purpose for that woman. And the man also has a responsibility to do what? To help that woman get that purpose out. I'm talking about kingdom purpose now. Kingdom purpose. How does your life impact the kingdom of God? How does your life contribute to the kingdom? We're looking at just an aspect now. Mary, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and told her so many things. And the Bible says she kept it in her heart. You know, women are, uh, have been known to be emotional. Hmm? Just talk all the time how they feel. But she was able to carry divine secrets in her heart. She had to train herself that way. And when she had this vision, who did she go and visit? Elizabeth who was also filled with the Spirit and was giving birth to John the Baptist, her relationships were divine relationships. Praise God. Her relationships were what? Divine relationships. Are you still here? Her relationships were divine relationships. 
I'll tell you this. God holds you accountable for His purpose in your life. God holds you accountable for His purpose in your life. Live your life knowing that God will hold you accountable for His purpose. You know, as I was getting ready to teach this, I was telling Sister Mary that I wish we had a combined meeting of both the women and the men. Because the men need to also understand this. That God will hold you accountable. God will judge my wife based on the purpose that God has called her to fulfill. And if I'm a godly man, one of the things I should constantly help my wife to become is who God has created her to become. And to do what God has called her to do. Praise God. So we look at Mary. We said, first of all, Mary had to keep herself a virgin to be able to give birth to Jesus. She had the, the, to make the choice of a godly man. There are ladies here today who are not married. Take your time to choose. I know most of us are in a hurry. Hmm? We want to beat the biological clock, whoever sets that clock. But take your time. All you need to do is to have conversation with married people. And they will tell you the choice of the man. The Bible says that Joseph wanted to throw her, send her out. Quietly, but when I do that quietly, he didn't want to bring disgrace to her. That means that she married a man who, even if she has made a mistake, the man was not bent on disgracing her. You know, see, you see how the man was thinking. The man didn't want to use Mary's condition to prove how righteous he was. Hey, when I came to your father's house to marry you, I said, well, so, when I was looking at your eyes, somebody was telling me that this gay is not a pure gay. Yeah. You see how sometimes when our wives make mistakes and the men capitalize on you know, they capitalize on that mistake to show everybody in the world that, ah, that bride price was too much. I was telling you people that you should give me change. A godly man would not disgrace the wife just to gain public sympathy. Who don't do that? Same thing with a godly woman. Praise God. Are you still here? Are you learning something? Number two... She's, she got that devotion to spiritual things. So God was able to speak to her. She heard the angels speaking. She could hear the voice of God. She communicated. And she kept spiritual things in her heart. Let me tell you something, saints of God. There is a way to live to be able to fulfill your purpose. For women, it can be harder. Some of us don't have enough money to get nannies. We haven't even seen money to eat, not to talk of paying somebody else. Right? And then you have to read. Right? So you, you, you come to church, you know, finish all you have to do, go to market, finish, cook, finish, then you now have to read for personal development. That's why I discovered that some ladies who are very brilliant, hmm, by the time they get married, have children, the last thing they read was Chicken and the River. That was the last book. Hmm? Why? No time. You're tired. You're tired. So you, you, you know that it's a lot of work for you. <laughs> Praise God. You know, uh, some few, I think a few weeks ago, Stammer was doing something. So I said, ah, man. And I, I say it all the time, I'm so grateful I'm not a woman. I'm so thankful. Because, yeah, you guys are superpower people. You do many things. 
A woman can be pregnant and still go to the market, have one child at her back, have one in front, one on her leg. She's grinding corn, she's selling here. We sell many things. And sometimes you can pride yourself in that. But that can be too much for your purpose. You can be so carried away by that. And God is saying, there's so much to your life. You're not fulfilling the reason I created you. But you're so occupied by that thing. You're so occupied. That's why you discovered that when you have single parents, the children who live with the, the, the mothers, they somehow I beat. You know, when, um, when parents separate, very few times would you see the father say, oh, let the ch- children stay with me. Most times it's the woman. She'll go through all to take care of the children. Because there's that inner strength. What I'm saying is that use that inner strength also and push towards the direction of your purpose. Let's look at another. So we see that a woman was responsible for bringing Jesus to the earth. Luke chapter 8 verse 3. This is just simple exhortation to help you to see more. Luke chapter 8 verse 3. Verse 1 to 3. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and teaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. So Jesus was traveling right now. Preaching the kingdom of God. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits. So, although it took a virgin to give birth to Jesus, I want to also show you that there's no imperfection in your life right now that God cannot use you to bring His glory. So you don't count yourself out. You know, most times a lot of women count themselves out. Maybe you've made some mistakes in your life. Maybe you got married before, you got pregnant before you got married, or you're a single parent. Or you've made some very terrible mistakes in your life. You just count yourself out that God cannot use you. That's a lie. These women right here we're reading about, they were not the most perfect women in Israel. In fact, the Bible says some of them were healed of evil spirits. Some of you have never had evil spirits. Look at this. And sicknesses. So these were women who were sick. They had sicknesses. Right? Mary Magdalene, who was called uh, Mary, sorry, who was, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons have gone out. So look at these women that were supporting Jesus. This one had seven demons. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't think you have one. <laughs> All right? One woman, seven demons. But she got delivered. Some had evil spirits, sicknesses. So this is not a picture of perfect women who had nothing wrong with their life. How many of you would like to be introduced as Sister? Teresa, who had seven demons. How many of you would like to, to, to say, let's, let's bring Sister Teresa to sing a song for us, the one that was, we delivered seven demons out of her life. Are you following this now? You, if you had that kind of encounter, you will never be bold to do something for Jesus. But look at these women. Glory to God. The Bible says, And jo- Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Look at what these women were doing. They were using their private means to fund the gospel. To fund Jesus. To help Jesus travel. These were partners with Jesus. Glory to God. They gave back to the ministry. Glory to God. You know, many times today you look at women. uh, They they, they don't... (laughs) Sometimes you find few women who give to the work of the Lord. Why? All their resources... Is consumed inwards. When last did you fund the gospel? 
When last did you actively, out of your private means, give to the gospel? Can you see that in the life of Jesus, when they mentioned the people who were giving him to be able to travel to preach the gospel, everybody listed there were, were women. Glory to God. You know, this is important because as a woman, sometimes you can be carried away by many things you need to have. You know, you are the wonderful God-created beings that would like a red shirt and a red purse. Hmm? You know, a woman can have one purse, many colors. Hmm? The same kind of purse. Everything has to match. Some men are, are doing that now. But Sometimes those things can just be acquisition that brings no eternal satisfaction. You have to tell yourself where to be content. Hmm? There's nothing wrong with fashion, but you can be driven by that. And you don't have enough, you don't have extra to give to the gospel. Let me tell you, every one of you seated here, if you want to give to the gospel, you can give to the gospel. All you have to do is to cut down on some things. Praise God. Come on, I said praise God. So you see, these women were given and funding Jesus. How come they were talking about those who were funding Jesus and only the names of women were mentioned? They gave to the gospel. Then, go to Matthew chapter 26. Just show you the role women played. Giving birth to Jesus. Funding Jesus. Matthew 26 and verse 6. Now, Jesus, uh, according to the custom, uh, the lamb needed to be washed and be baptized and be prepared for his funeral. But let's read on. Matthew 26, verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, Why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, look at what it is. She did it to prepare me for burial. Look at her reward, verse 13. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of her, spoken of in memory of her. This is 2021. We're talking about this woman. Thousands of years ago, what did she do? She took a costly perfume and did what? And poured it on Jesus. Nobody could discern this man needed to be prepared for burial. What do you discern in the church? What do you discern? What does your discernment pick? What sacrifices do you make for the master? We want to talk about the body of Jesus today, the local church. Look at this. She gave. She gave her one year worth. I'm not, I'm not just teaching you this so you can go and pack all the money you have and bring. But I'm trying to tell you that Women live for something greater in helping the ministry of Jesus. Praise God. They lived for something greater. They were concerned about the body of Jesus. 
That's why if you're still single here, you make up your mind that you would marry a man that would have the same passion that you have for Jesus. You know, uh, sometimes, well, we're pastors now, but sometimes, <laughs> myself and my wife, we, we sit down and we imagine. You know, sometimes you see uh, a woman will say, I'm trying to save God. The man is not trying. You know, and you, no, none of you should be encouraged to serve God. Don't be the one your husband has to drag. And if you are married a man that you have to drag, well, God, God give you the dragging strength. As I'm here now, let's say I was not even a pastor. On a Sunday morning, I'll be sleeping. My wife will now have to wake me. Let's go to church. I'm tired. God forbid, batting. I cannot even imagine it. In, I cannot even think of it as an example. Hmm? You know, you know, a lot of times, women fall in love and then they end up using their whole energy to carry the house spiritually. Have you heard, have you heard some men say that, ah, it's my wife that is the praying one, or it's, it's my wife's prayer that is holding the house. Have you heard that statement? It's a very embarrassing statement. It's very embarrassing. It's very embarrassing that your woman is the one holding, he says, my, my wife is the one holding me in prayer. <laughs> Who is the... And then, when it comes to prayer, you want the woman to hold you. When it comes to spending money, you want to hold the money. You see how life is? Spiritual exercise, you delegate it. Don't marry a spiritually lazy man. It can cost you. I'll tell you, it can cost you. Because there are certain things in this life that will not answer to money. Certain things will not answer to... They would answer to the realm of the spirit. You know the man who is diligent. I think I told the message years ago called men as priests. A man has to function as a priest in his house. Glory to God. Alright. Uh, let's look at another woman. John chapter 4. You know this woman very well. The woman at the well. You know. Uh, they have cursed this woman. I'm telling you. They've cursed this woman. But you know what this woman did? A lot of people have not been able to achieve in their life. Look at John chapter 4. Verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And because of the life this woman lives, church history has it that she came to draw water. Um, John chapter 4, we're in verse 7. She came to draw water probably when the well was not full, so that a lot of people will not see her. For his disciples has gone into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said, How is it that you being a Jew ask me for drinks since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So there was a quarrel between Jews. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. When, where then do you get that living water? I, I want to say something here. Uh, uh, this woman, although the kind of life she's lived that was recorded, you see how she addressed Jesus? He says, Sir. Even though there was a quarrel between Jews and Samaritans, she didn't put that, you know, because one of the things you must learn as a lady is how to respect people. Not just as a lady. Learn to respect people. Let, don't be rude. Because sometimes you don't know the opportunities that would come out of what the conversation you're having. Don't don't pride yourself in being able to talk arrogantly. You know, people pride themselves in that. Say, ah, my mouth is razor blade. I don't take nonsense. It'll cost you. It'll cost you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They address Jesus as sir. 
excuse me, verse 12. <clears throat> You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will test again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never test. But the water that I'll give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. <laughs> so I will not be testing nor come all the way here to draw. So she had no idea what Jesus was teaching. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Can you imagine? Five husbands. Then she talked about this. Now, uh, let's go to... It's a, it's a long story. But let's go to verse 39. From that day, from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. This woman opened the nation of Samaria to Jesus. Because of the testimony of this woman, the Bible says many believed in him. This woman was not perfect. But she carried the testimony of Jesus. Who has believed in the gospel because of you? What do you post on your status? Do you share the gospel? Hmm? You know, women can mobilize. If you really want this church to grow, you know all of you here, you can grow this church in one... Just as they can grow the church, so also they can reduce the church. <laughs> You've got that force to influence people. Why don't you use it positively? In the saloons. Hmm? When you go to the saloon, what's your discussion? Is it to bring down pastors? Sometimes, carry the conversation so you can share the gospel. I want you to see that beyond everything around this world, you have a role you can play in the ministry of Jesus. Share the gospel. Preach the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Talk to people about Jesus. Through this woman's word, the Bible says many Samaritans came to believe and Jesus had to stay there in that city for two whole days to teach. I want us to be women who through us, many will come to the saving light of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Young ladies who are not married, use your influence for the sake of Jesus. Use it. Use it. Through you. Don't, don't just have friends who are not passionate about Christ. You know, I told you, when Mary went to meet Elizabeth, say, the baby in my womb lived. Walk with people who would cause your baby to leap. Who would cause the visions of God on your inside to leap. Don't walk with people who make you feel like you are too serious for God. Have you met people like that? Say, don't carry church in your head. What will you carry? Say, you are carrying church on your head too much. Hmm? What would you carry? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Now, look at this. 
talked about the Samaritan woman. Now, like we said, this was not a perfect woman. So the Lord can use us. Praise God. Because sometimes women feel a lot of low self-esteem. Eh? Most times. They are not qualified. So, uh, when, we, when we started out, and my wife started teaching, I was, very, I was a bit... Well, I didn't tell her directly, but I was very deliberate. That I didn't just want to... You know, sometimes when you marry... When you are married to a pastor, all the woman can teach is relationship and marriage. Eh? You know, there are women like that. Everything is relationship, marriage, relationship, marriage, relationship, marriage. They can't teach the Bible. In So I was very deliberate about that. Because you can make that as a focus of, you know, you can just make that your focus. There's nothing wrong with that. But no, you can teach the Bible. You can learn the Bible. You can get people filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can pray for the sick. God can use you. Glory to God. And I want you to leave this meeting today with that burning desire that you will be associated with the gospel of Jesus. And sometimes, the reason sometimes ladies and, uh, are a bit, find it a bit difficult is because of friendships. You know, women belong to a lot of things. So, if you are in this meeting, you have to behave in a certain way so that they would accept you here. If you join this meeting, if you, uh, you know, many friends, you know, many friends. So that your wedding day, you would have, ah, purple women, purple women, come here, purple women, come here. Then the purple women comes, ah, green women. Green women, no green women, you know. So, you know, it, it's good, all of those social things is okay, but be identified with Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be identified with Jesus. There is something you can contribute to the gospel of the Lord, there's something you can contribute to the local church. Now, let's look at this so we can take your questions. Um, look at his death, Mark 16. So I'm, I'm just tracing the life of Jesus. The vital role women play. Mark 16. Are you learning anything? Say amen if you are. Alright. Mark 16. Yeah, I really wish our brothers were here. Because this is good. We need to help your wife find purpose. Mark 16. Verse 7. Look at verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. See, these women were the ones thinking of Jesus. Huh? Disciples were locked up in the room, afraid. They were thinking, oh, we need to anoint his body. That's why, I'll say this to you, right? Men support the ministry, but if you really have a woman who has resources, okay? If you have a woman who has resources, who is a partner to your ministry, they will give you a lot more. Once women commit to a cause, oh, they will give you. And if a man wants to partner with you and his wife does not agree, that partnership will not work. That's why every pastor prays for women specially too. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the truth. It's, once, it once, it's also a secret I learned in the travel ministry. If you go and preach anywhere, if you go and preach anywhere, and that pastor's wife likes you, they will invite you back. Yeah. But if you go and preach and the pastor's wife does not like you, you might likely not come. Yeah. No, it's, it's the truth. I, I went to preach somewhere in one nation. I won't mention the nation. Somewhere around East Africa. 
So they brought this food. Their native food. So I ate. You know, I was eating. I, I've learned that over time. I used to be very selective for food, but as I began, as I began to travel, I discovered people like it when you eat their food. So when I go to the nations, I try my, my best. So I was eating the food. It was really nice. So I was eating it. I was, I was telling them, oh, this food is so nice. Ah, he was saying, ah, so you like it. As you, you know, women, once you just say food is nice, you're in trouble. The next day, she made another one and I ate it. So, so, she, 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 so she, was, she was telling the husband, ah, this, this is your pastor invited from Nigeria. It's so easy to take care of. And, 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 I, I knew I was coming back. I know what I'm saying. Yeah, just, just. Because when the man is deciding who to invite, he will just throw it up. You understand? The man will just say, ah, we need to have this program. I'm thinking of Pastor Max. I say, no, 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 no. Have you prayed? Have you prayed about it? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because, I mean, if I want to do a program and I want somebody to come and preach, it's my wife that, will, first of all, would hear, you know, what, what, I'm, what I'm just trying to say is this. You, you just need all the women behind you. However it is, praise the name of the Lord to further the cause of the gospel. Mark 16, verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb where the sun had risen. Verse 3. They were saying to one another, who will roll, <laughs> who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the, of the tomb? See, all the women entered to go and anoint Jesus. They didn't think of who will roll away the stone. You know, that's, the, that's the thing sometimes too, uh, where you need... A bit of logic behind your emotions. <laughs> now they've gone to the tomb. They're not asking themselves there, who will roll away the tomb? Thank God for angel. Because that's the time you call your husband. Say, I'm in front of the tomb. There's nobody to roll it. Say, who send you? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Look at how they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right. Wearing a white over, they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus in Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Verse 7, look at this. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for they were trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And he said, Not into one another, for they were afraid. Now, that, now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom she, he casted out seven demons. And she went and reported to those who had been with him. And they were mourning and weeping. Can you see the resurrection of Jesus? The first person Jesus committed the message to was a woman, not a perfect woman. An imperfect woman. You're not too imperfect to preach the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, that's why anytime you want to preach the gospel, do something for God. God will remind you of your past. I'm sorry, Satan will remind you of your past. But remind Satan of God's blood that has redeemed you. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Can you see this? The first person Jesus appeared to was a woman. The fr- you know, the disciples were afraid. He says, go tell my disciples and Peter that he's risen. Who carried the message of resurrection to the disciples who now later preached it? Women. Who did Jesus first appear to? Women. Who partnered with him by giving and supporting his ministry? Women. Who opened up the city of Samaria to him? A woman. Who gave birth? Of course, that answer is obvious. was a woman. So, I want you to see your life, not just to be consumed by the presence, have eternal goals. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? Have eternal goals. 
Just as you mobilize people for your town's meeting, mobilize people to come and hear God's word. Just as you give for several things in your life, give for the kingdom. Hmm? Support the, the preaching and the teaching of God's word. And if you're single here, you're not married, go before the Lord and ask the Lord to help you make the right choice of a man who would help your quest in the things of the Spirit. It's essential. Many decisions make up people's life. Marriage is the number one decision after accepting the Lord Jesus that will determine the curse of your life. Because, you know, when you are on this side of marriage, when you are on this side, that means you're not married, you're single. You know, you are, you are quick. Hmm? You want to get married. You want to settle down. You shouldn't settle. You should actually constantly keep moving. But you want to settle down. You want to marry, you know. And all that you're excited about is the... The, the ceremony, the event, you know, pre-wedding picture, kneeling down, crying, throwing flowers, snapping, alright? And all your life, you just thought, you know, when we wake up in the morning, we'll just cuddle ourselves, we'll just there, we'll just jeez, we'll just jeez, we'll just talk, we'll just talk. And uh, after six years, everything is done. You have the children now. Hmm? Children are going to university. You have everything you need now. Something deep within you will begin to cry out. Is this all there is to life? Is this so? This is it. You know, I was talking to myself and Stamari were talking, looking at my son. In three years or four years, he'll be gone to university. Okay? And that's it. The man is gone. Four or five years later. He's out of the university. He's made progress. Then a little girl follows. Then you realize, that's why sometimes at that point in women's life, you begin to find a bit of strain. And people say, why are they having issues at your old age? Probably all they have put their life into was raising the children. Now the children have gone. You understand what I'm saying? Now this is what else? And you know, when people don't have purpose, they begin to fight themselves. That's why they begin to quarrel over matches. See, these matches used to be like this. That, but the way you are turning these matches, I don't know where I saw you. When we first married, you just know that there's nowhere to pour energy. Because by the time you cook, you breastfeed, you carry children, you are too tired to quarrel. Most say the matches, they say, okay, anywhere you want the matches to face, let it face their back. back. I don't have trouble. But now, <laughs> there is no child. There's nothing. So the director of the match is now saying, no, this match is matter. We have to finish it. Because I don't like, you see, in this life at my old age, it's not in this old age I'll be learning to arrange matches. You just know that the woman is tired. There's nothing. So before that stage will come, pour yourself into something eternal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pour yourself. God wants to use you. As you are here, God wants to use you to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to preach the gospel. To bring many to righteousness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, let me tell you something. If you are a prayerful woman and you follow God, God will bless you and God will bless your children. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. God has a way of rewarding you by honoring your children. If you commit to God, and I'll tell you to say this, if you look at all of those women, maybe you know some women who might not have so much, but they are committed to God. They are committed to their pastors. I, I think of my grandmother. Awesome commitment, this woman. She didn't have money. 
she would go and sweep the church very early in the morning. Uh, the, the, the church in the village used to have bell. They, they rang the bell three times. There was no clock. So they rang the bell three times. The first one was to remind people of, you know, because, I mean, they went to farm. So when they ring the first bell, that's when we go to the bathroom. When they ring the second bell, you should be on your way to church because the third bell is when the church starts. So we didn't have time. So, we, you know, they rang that bell, the Anglican church. They rang the bell. And my mother, my grandmother made it mandatory. By the second bell, you should be in church. By the second bell, we're here in the church. Whenever we come from the farm, whatever she brings from the farm, whatever she brings from the farm, whatever, if it is firewood she brings, she will take a portion, go and give it to pastor. And when we look at our lives today, we can see the hand of God upon our lives as a reward. And do we have an example like that in the scriptures? Timothy. It is that same faith that was in your grandmother. That is in your mother that's now in you. What are you transferring to your children? Are you transferring the faith, the gospel to your children? Now, how can you transfer the gospel to your children when you don't know the gospel? What are you trying? You know, we are not the ones to train your children for you. They come here one, once a week, maybe, right? Sunday school. Is that, is that how your children are going to know the gospel? No, you have to know the gospel. So you can help pass it to your children. And I tell you, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, should go when he's old, he'll not depart from it. You have that responsibility. That's not the responsibility of a pastor. It's your responsibility. Train your children in the way they should go. And what's the way they should go? God's way. God's way. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that today because when we're asking the questions, if you don't have questions, we are going to, we are going to just point some things to you. One of the things I want us to see in this local church is children being raised up in the fear of the Lord. And outside of that, I think Sister Mary is going to have time to talk to you about that. Some of you still treat your children like they are children. They are not children. They are not children. Some of you need to be a bit more firmer with your kids. You're not firm. You allow the children to do what they want to do, go where they want to do, scatter whatever they want to scatter. Yeah, you just leave him. He's a child. He's a child. Give that child to us in three weeks. Hmm? You know, you know, when kids were crawling and children crawl, 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 they would drag this thing, you fall, you now start raising things in the house. It's because you want to raise things. Have you ever heard parents talk and like, oh, my child broke my phone. Have you heard that? <laughs> you want to. I mean, we've grown up with all our kids. Our phones, are they don't touch it. They don't, that's, they don't touch it. There's nothing in them, internally and externally, that will make them to touch that phone. It's there. If it breaks, it's because you want, but not that they will. Uh, if the child is crying for the phone, no, you cannot cry for what you can't have access to. So that the child will keep quiet. My grandmother will say, nobody dies from crying. Very true. Have you said anybody? Have you read 70 people die from too much crying? We need to train our children in the way that they will go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When a child starts throwing tantrums, you put an end to that. Because that's rebellion being built right there. You put an end to that. You stay and say, you know what? You will do this. Because I said so. No explanation. 
Because we're raising kids right now. And he said, oh, the children of nowadays, they like to ask questions. They like to ask questions. They, they like to interact. It's not like our own time when they did not allow us to have a voice. Beautiful. How many times have you sat in the bus with children, right? Or sat somewhere with young people and they give you the respect you deserve as an older person. Raise your hand. And you experience that. You can say, no hand will go up. But if I ask you, how many times have you sat with young people and you were disrespected without paying any aid, paying attention to your age? How many of you have experienced that? Many. You know why? Because the way they're raised. We don't raise our children the way society tells us to raise our children. We raise our children the way the Word of God tells us to raise our children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it has to start from the house. So I believe God that God will help us. It doesn't mean that, I mean, we'll raise children, we'll be 100% perfect, we'll not make mistakes and all of that. Our children will make mistakes. Our children might not be perfect. They're learning the lessons. We are also putting, we are also doing our best to raise our children. It's not like our children just get up and because they are pastor's children, no, they are, they, they obey 100%. No, no, no. <laughs> you have to, you have to raise your child like every other child. Put the word of God, confess the word of God, speak the word of God about their lives and do what you're, Practicing, um, practicing before them. But I want you to see, as we, as we wrap this up, that there is a greater purpose for your life. Say this after me. Say, there is a greater purpose. Say it one more time. Say, there is a greater purpose for my life. You need to say that. You need to see that there is something great for your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that you would help us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to, to understand your word, to leave your word. And Father, you help us to help children, raise up children in the fear of the Lord. And Father God, you would also help us to work a greater purpose for our life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.